Welcome to another episode of What is Hashimoto's with Dr. Martin Rutherford. To find out more on any of our topics or for information on scheduling a consultation with Dr. Rutherford, please visit us at whatishashimoto's.com. And now, here's Dr. Rutherford. So today we're going to talk about food sensitivities versus food allergies. And a lot of you out there are going like, well, yeah, I know all about food sensitivities and food allergies. I can't eat gluten. I can't eat milk. And so that's not exactly food sensitivities. It's significant um, in, in Hashimoto's alone. In Hashimoto's alone, there are 39 different known triggers. Uh, and, and that's what we know today. Next year, maybe we're going to know even more. I have no idea, but, but 39 is enough. <laughs> and uh, among the leaders are um, certain viral infections, uh, not many, uh, as, 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 as you might think, but certain viral infections, certain bacterial infections. Um, there's certain chemicals, uh, not as many as maybe people might think, but they're, when they're there, they're a big issue. Food sensitivities. Um, are significant, uh, nutrient deficiencies are significant, and then there's just a bunch of others, okay? But those, those categories kind of rule. And, and within each of those categories, there's a lot of different ones. I think food sensitivities, I put them as the most important. Um, and, and in some cases, you could argue they are, in some cases you could argue they are, they're not. But from the perspective that, if you're eating a food every day, that is causing your immune system to flare up and you're trying to figure out what's wrong with somebody because your immune system is flaring up and then causing an attack on your thyroid and you're trying to figure out whether it's a virus or whether it's a bacteria or whether it's a chemical or whether it's whatever you read on the internet yesterday, it's difficult to figure out because you're continually altering that baseline of understanding what's causing your symptoms. And food sensitivities um, everybody comes in and they go, oh, yeah, I know what my food sensitivities are. I can't eat eggs. I can't eat, I can't eat gluten. Uh, maybe I can't eat milk. Uh, maybe I can't eat soy. And I go, how do you know that? They go like, well, when I eat it, I get like my nose stuffs up and, and I get headaches or, or, or my diarrhea comes back or something along those lines. I say, how quickly? No, well, usually, you know, right away. Usually sometimes within minutes, sometimes within half an hour, 20 minutes, something like that. That's not a food sensitivity, which is why I emphasize food sensitivities. And so a, a food sensitivity is different. Food, food allergies are actually created in the, in, the, in the bloodstream. Food sensitivities are created in the gut. And there's a number of reasons that they're created, but the main reason they're created is because your digestive check breaks down. Your stomach stops digesting properly. You're not making enough hydrochloric acid. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you got a thyroid problem. Maybe you got an ulcer. Maybe you got H. pylori, maybe you got uh, parietal cell antibodies, meaning you have autoimmune gastritis. Usually it's one of those things. Um, and then that can either set off your gallbladder, if you still have it, or maybe you don't have a gallbladder. And then that doesn't break down the fats well, and then both of those things cause your pancreas to maybe not work as well as it could. Maybe it's not a disease in your pancreas, it's just not working as well because it's getting this food uh, that's not digested and it's harder for it to, to, to digest. And all of this results in a food particle that is now presented to your, to, to your intestines to absorb that is um, 
it's, it's, it's not a proper type of a food uh, uh, particle. It's, it hasn't been digested down enough. It hasn't been digested properly. The inside of your intestines sees it as a foreign body, kind of like a bad bacteria or something like that. And it says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't think this belongs here. And, uh, and so, so it, it takes that little particle and it presents it to the immune system on the inside of your intestines, the 70% immune system. So on the inside of your intestines and the immune system goes, whoa, we gotta attack that. that. That doesn't look right. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't belong here. It's not digested properly. It's not small enough. It's not broken up enough. It attacks it. Now you have a food sensitivity. That takes a little while for that to occur. And so food the hallmark of the food sensitivity is, let's say, let's say, your, let's say your, your classic Hashimoto symptom is, I get heart palpitations for no reason at all. So you eat a food, maybe it's broccoli. You eat a food, it's not digested down properly, it goes through that whole, um, that whole uh, chemical pathway that I just got done talking about. And the next thing you know, um, you, three days later, you, you start getting heart palpitations for no reason at all. Are you going to connect that to the broccoli that you ate for dinner on Monday night? 99% uh, of the time the answer to that is no until we talk about this. So food sensitivities are huge because those are the things we're missing. And to make it even more fun, okay, food sensitivities come and go. I mean, it, when, I, when, when we talk about making diet a baseline for our patient care, everybody goes, oh, I already did the SIBO diet. I already did the autoimmune paleo diet. I already did the uh, oral tolerance diet. I already did the gastrointestinal diet for ulcer or whatever, because uh, you've already done them now. You've come in here, you've already done them, and you're sitting here with all kinds of gut problems, and the answer is why. Um, this is one of the answers why, because you're continually stimulating that system with a food sensitivity. So when I put food sensitivity testing, maybe above par uh, parasite testing and, 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 uh, and, and um, chemical testing, uh, these types of things, it's simply because you're not eating those chemicals every day. You may not be, if, if you're getting exposed to chemicals every day, maybe I look at that, but most are not. Most are not getting exposed to, like someone who is a hairdresser and is getting exposed to chemicals every day. And I know you're gonna tell me there's stuff in the water and all that type of stuff, but we, we, we screen that out. So, so food testing, so to me, food testing is like top of the list. And you have to find a good test. Not easy to do. We, we, we parry back and forth between two or three tests, depending on how much the patient can afford to pay and, and how much, uh, and, and, and how much data we actually already have and how much data we actually need. And you know, depending on that, we might use a test that's less expensive, but, but we're experienced at this. We have done years and years and years of allergy elimination diets, okay, to figure out people's food sensitivity. And we have them do a, 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 you know, a dietary, um, daily diet, dietary type of, uh, uh, of uh, diary. And so you know, they'll do it and we'll see that they have a reaction on Thursday. We'll go back and look at what they ate on Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday. And because we're familiar with it, we probably can pull that out and go, you know what, it's more likely this. Let's remove this, let's try it again and see what happens. That's very tedious, it's very labor intensive, it's a way to do it, but if you're not familiar with the more common food sensitivities, you're gonna miss them, you just are. I, I, I know that from experience, not to be insulting, <laughs> just, it's just hard. It's hard for us and we do this every day, all day long.
So that's food sensitivities versus um, food allergies. Why they're important, they, they set the baseline. And I'm gonna tell you, the food sensitivities, the next word out of the person's mouth is, I eat those all the time. That's the point. And then you stop eating them, you start eating a bunch of other foods, and the next thing you know, if you haven't healed your leaky gut yet, the next thing you know, you've got new food sensitivities that you're not aware of. So that's a whole nother animal, uh, but, but the fact that food sensitivities change uh, over a period of time, they can change over a period of three months, six months, that's a, that's a significant part of the management of the inflammatory response against Hashimoto's. So most people aren't aware of how frequently to test for food sensitivities or how frequently to do a rotation diet and all those types of things. So the diet is critical and, and frankly, beyond taking away gluten or milk or eggs or stuff or doing the autoimmune paleo diet and not having it work. Most people have a difficult time figuring out what the proper diet would be. Food sensitivity is one of the biggest reasons. So I think it covers the, the, the high points uh, uh, the Cliff Notes high points of food sensitivities and why they're important and why we do them on pretty much every patient that comes in here as long as they can afford to do them and if they can't we do an allergy elimination diet but we do not move on until we're sure that we're getting a grip on the food sensitivities. Alright, so that's it for today. Uh, this is a, I think this is kind of a, some, some are bigger presentations than others, some are more significant than others. Put this, tag this on your more significant presentation than others. All right, talk to you again. Take care. Thank you for joining us for another episode of What is Hashimoto's? To find out more on any of our topics or for information on scheduling a consultation with Dr. Rutherford, please visit us at whatishashimotos.com.